All right, James chapter number 1, verse number 13. And if you remember, as we looked last week, that James has just announced to his audience that a crown of life will be rewarded for that one who endures temptation. And as we have looked at this book of James, we have noticed that James has started off and, and that temptation has, an enduring temptation has been the subject matter. And he addresses temptation. Again, I mentioned this, that the reason that he addresses temptation is because he realizes the temptations which these early Christians are facing, the persecution that they are facing. Now he wants to clarify an important point for these followers of Jesus. It's a question that might cross their minds. And the reason that might cross their minds is because James has spoken so much about temptations and how God will use them. In other words, it's really all he's been talking about at the beginning of this letter is temptations. And what is the question that James is going to address. Here it is. If the temptations are going to be present and God is using them, ultimately rewarding those who endure with a crown of, li crown of life, is God the originer, uh, originator of the temptations? Hmm. So there you go. Does God tempt us to sin? And so we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. And James answers that question. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err. My beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So as you read that text, and, it, and if you've read all 18 verses up to this point, you're going to say, they didn't ask him that question. <clears throat> How could they ask him that question? Because he's writing him a letter, so there's no way... <clears throat> for them to ask that question. But what we understand is that they say a good speaker is able to answer a question before it is asked. A, a good speaker and a good communicator would realize that questions are going to be present when you are presenting truth. And you're to think through that and think what questions your audience might have and then try to answer those. Try to answer the question that will come into the hearer's mind. And that's exactly what James does. He thinks about those who are receiving this letter and he's talking about temptation so much that automatically the questions are going to come to their mind. Okay, if these temptations are there and God's going to use them, is God the cause of them? And that's the question that James is going to answer. And he answers it plainly in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, there's two different words that mean temptation here. There, And we've talked about the two different types of temptation. The first temptations are, then that's the ones that James has been addressing so far. They are the temptations that come into our life. It's uh, like the refiner's fire where the gold is being refined. And so they will uh, 
try us to test endurance and they will multiply grace in our lives, but they are not temptations to sin. They are temptations to endurance and temptations to trust in God. And But now, now James is going to address that other type of temptation and that is the temptation to sin. They are the temptations to commit evil. And these are the temptations that James is addressing here beginning in in James chapter number 1 and verse number 13. Again, two different types of temptation. The temptation that is used to purify and then it is the temptation to sin or the temptation to evil. And that's the, the ones that James is going to address tonight. And James is going to explain that tempting circumstances to sin do not originate with God. Like he says, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And so the question might be, or how are we going to see that God uh, does not tempt to sin? And the first reason we think about why these temptations to sin do not originate with God is because God can't be tempted with evil. He, he gives the answer right there. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Why can God not be tempted with evil? I mean, James made that statement, and we know that's the reason they're not that these temptations do not come from God is because God can't be tempted with evil. But why can't God be tempted with evil? Well, first of all, because God is holy. God is morally perfect. And God is the source of all that is morally good. God's not the source of evil. God is the source of that which is good. And because God is the source of all that is morally good, we know what is morally good by understanding God. If you want to know what good is, study God. His essence is that he is good. Everything about him is good. And if you want to know what is morally good, study God. The other thing is we, we couldn't know what good is apart from God. Because God is a source of good. Gill says this, No one can tempt another to sin unless he is sinful himself and delights in sin and in those that commit it. So since God is not sinful, he can't tempt to sin. Since God does not delight in sin, he can't tempt to sin. And so we know that God is good and God is not sinful. So the reason that he cannot tempt them to sin is because God is not sinful. He does not delight in those who commit sin. So the temptation is therefore not from God. So where does the temptation come from then? If there's temptations to do evil, and if it doesn't come from God, where does that temptation come from? Well, think about it. I mean, you might say, well, first thing, well, it has to come from Satan, which is kind of true, but not all temptation comes from Satan. Some temptations come from our flesh. Notice what he says later on. Every man is drawn away of his own lust. Temptation comes from the lust that is inherent in us. When Adam chose to be like, I want to be like God. I want to make my own decision for what is right and wrong. That was a lust that was in his heart where he wanted to be like God. 
And so lust originates in our own heart. And I want you to think about in the Garden of Eden when, when Satan is there and he is tempting Eve. What is he tempting Eve with? Does he tempt her with evil or does he tempt her with good? Remember, did Eve know what good is? Yeah, that's all she knew. When God created all things and he looked out at everything and behold, it was very good. So the only thing that Eve knew was what is good. But over there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's something over there that God's keeping from me. He's keeping evil from me. Now, I don't know what evil is, but God's keeping it from me. And so I want to have it. So I want to learn what evil is. And, you know, she found out what evil is, and so did Adam. They found out very quickly what evil is. They found out they were naked, and soon they found out about murder. These temptations originate from the lust that is in our own heart. The flesh, they originate in the heart that is desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we know first of all that that these temptations do not uh, come from God because God is not sinful. Secondly, since God is not sinful and he does not enjoy those who commit sin, he will not tempt with evil. Again, think about it. God is good. He is not sinful and he doesn't enjoy seeing someone committing evil. And so he's not going to tempt them to sin. He's not going to tempt you to do something that he does not enjoy. So these sinful actions are produced by by the flesh. And I know as we're talking about this, and maybe this question has already come to your mind. Yeah, but you're saying that God doesn't, tempt to sin but doesn't the bible say that god tempted abraham as a matter of fact it does genesis 22 1 and it came to pass after these things that god did tempt abraham and said unto him abraham and he said behold here am i but we talked about the two different types of temptation, right? The, the temptation to purify and the temptation to sin. So based upon that understanding, we know there's two different types of temptation. Which type of temptation do you think this is that God presented to Abraham? Was it the temptation so that Abraham would be purified or was it the temptation to sin? And hopefully you're going to think, well, that means that God tempted Abraham with the type of temptation that would not be evil, but the type of temptation that would purify his heart. Is God tempting Abraham to perform moral evil? The answer to that is no. Does God present circumstances to Abraham to purify him from the idolatry that is in his heart? The answer to that question is Yes. And you say, well, but, but what is the idolatry that's in the heart of Abraham? I'm glad you asked. The idolatry that's in the heart of Abraham is his love for Isaac. Isaac, the chosen seed, has become an idol to Abraham. And really what God is 
saying is this, Abraham, do you love me or do you love Isaac? Do you love Isaac enough to surrender him? Or do you love me enough to surrender Isaac to me? Or is Isaac more important to you than I am? That's the challenge that God is laying before Abraham. And he's challenging the love of Abraham. So God is trying Abraham to remove the idolatry that is in his heart. He is proving Abraham's allegiance. God is proving Abraham's allegiance to him. And so God is not tempting him with evil. And you might say, yeah, but didn't he say, go up and offer him as a sacrifice? So wouldn't offering him as a sacrifice be evil? That's a difficult question to answer, but because we automatically think that that taking a life is murder, but in this case, because God prescribed it, um, it would not be. But but we know that God didn't really want Abraham to offer Isaac. He was just trying Abraham, and he wanted Abraham to know the type of love that he had for Abraham. So he wasn't going to allow Abraham to kill Isaac anyway. He just presented that to him. So God is not asking Abraham to do something that is sinful. He is asking Abraham to honor him with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the second reason is God is not sinful because he does not enjoy those who commit sin. So he's not going to tempt someone to do evil. Thirdly, we know that God does, is not the one that is originating these temptations because verse 14 says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. So we recognize that these uh, temptations do not originate with God. They originate from our own lust. Lust is the corruption of the nature of man. Sometimes it's called the 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 flesh sometimes it's the depraved nature and remember that's that's one of the uh steps of what we believe that happens in salvation and one of the things that we understand is that man is totally depraved that that he is every fiber of his being everything about him is depraved now he's that doesn't mean that he's going to sin as much as he can but that means that he only wants to sin. That's his desire. It's his nature is to sin. You know, I'm listening to a podcast this week and it's talking about the three dangers to the soul of man. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the things that, that hurt us. But the, the, the flesh is always seeking satisfaction. It's always wanting to please itself. And so we're drawn away, we're tempted when we begin to desire um, to have our flesh satisfied. When we begin to desire to get what we want. So lust is a desire for something that will satisfy. Whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. There's different types of lust. And so we're drawn away and enticed when this great desire to be satisfied comes in, and, it, and it comes to the place that, that I'm going to have that or else. It's just like that big bowl of, of uh, frosted flakes I had last night. 
Now I know that that I got to go back on a diet. I got to I got to lose some more weight, and 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 so I'm like, okay, I can't have any snacks at night, Mark. No snacks. Snacks at night are not good. I come home last night, and I'm like, but I'm really hungry, and I bought that cinnamon toast frosted flakes the other night. And that's just in there. I can hear it calling my name. And it's like, no, Mark, it's not going to be good for you. You can't lose weight if you're eating that at 930 at night. Don't eat it, Mark. But, oh, that Frosted Flakes is just calling my name. And I couldn't get it out of there until I had two bowls of Frosted Flakes. That's the way the flesh is. The flesh just goes and goes and goes until it is satisfied. And that's... That's the way sin is. Uh, I was reading something and it said the idea it's like lust is like a bait being presented to a fish. You take that bait and you dangle it in front of his face and you make it swim and all those things that you skilled fishermen know how to do. And finally that fish says, I can't resist it anymore. And it takes the bait. The fish attacks. That's what lust being enticed that's what the lust does lust is also mentioned as if you want to turn over to proverbs 7 uh, it also is talking about uh, one who seduces another proverbs chapter number 7 and uh, verse number 5 begins a a lengthy discussion here about uh, the strange woman and Proverbs 7, 5, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. So she comes along and says, man, you look awful handsome today. Or, man, look at those bulging muscles or, you know, whatever. She begins to flatter with her words. Go on and read. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets and lieth and waited at the corner. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man of the house is not home. He's gone in a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come at the day appointed with her much fair speech. She causes him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. She enticed him, right? She enticed him by, with the flattering of her lips and with her kisses and, and all of that. That's, that's what enticement is and that lust, that desire to have, that enticement is there and that's where sin originates in the flesh being enticed by something that is pleasing. Notice the progression that is given to us there in verse number 14. But we might not say a progression, but a degression. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then lust, when it's conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. So, 
the digression is drawn away by lust, enticed, conceived in the heart, sin, then death. So for us, as and what James is addressing here is for them to understand that temptations to sin are going to come. And there's going to be a chain of events that's going to happen. You're going to have lust arise in your heart because you're going to be enticed with something. And then you're going to begin to conceive in your heart how that you might uh, satisfy that lust. And then because you've conceived it in your heart, you're going to excuse yourself. And you're going to go and commit the act. And you're going to sin. And the punishment for sin is death. James is telling them what is coming before them. And he's telling them this so they can understand the goal is to break the chain. Somewhere you need to break the chain, whether it's lust, whether it's enticement, whether it's uh, conceiving in the heart, anything to stop you from sinning. That's why we don't want to be enticed, so we need to make a covenant with our eyes. Because if we don't look upon something to lust after it, then we won't lust after it. So make a covenant with your eyes not to look upon that which would cause you to lust. We will not sin if we do not conceive how to satisfy that lust. That's why we should guard our hearts with all diligence. We should fill our hearts with that which is good to protect it from being drawn to that which is evil. Because when we begin to conceive in our hearts, we're just a step closer, right? So if you fill your heart with that is good, then your heart won't be drawn away. We should learn the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Sin is not simply a mistake. Sin is not, oh, well, I'll try to do better next time. We need to understand sin is an offense to God. Psalm 5.4 says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Sometimes we think sin's no big deal, but God says it is a big deal. We cannot be nonchalant about sin. We must keep in mind what is the penalty for sin. The penalty for sin is death. Just as we've been talking about the justice of God, every sin deserves the death penalty. You're going to commit a sin which God hates, which is worthy of death. Whether it's a little white lie that you might tell. And you might think, well, that's no big deal. It's just a little white white lie. But it's a penalty. It is a sin that is worthy of death. And you say, well, I've told white lies before and nothing ever happened. Yeah, but what if God chose not to be merciful to you because of that sin? It's worthy of death. And God would be justified to bring the sentence to the full. So you cannot excuse any sin. We must keep that in our minds. If we're not going to be drawn away of our own lust, we need to think about the end result of that is sin and the end of sin is death. And I don't want to be underneath the sentence of death and so I'm not going to allow my heart to be tempted and enticed to sin. So, sin brings forth death. And so we know that God cannot originate sin, these temptations of sin, because God is not going to bring that which causes death into your life. Fourthly, 
Temptations to, to sin do not originate with God because only good things come from God. Notice what he says, verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything God gives is good. Notice the first thing that James mentions is, Do not err, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't confuse the temptations to evil with the work of God. Remember, God is good. Notice James says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Not some good things are from good, are, are from God, good things come from God, but every good thing comes from God. God is good. So therefore, good comes from Him. And apart from Him, there would be no good. Remember this. It is God's nature to be good. And every good thing in the world. Look, Go back to the book of Genesis and, and look at what He created. And He made it and behold, it was good. And He made it and behold, it was good. And He got to the end of His creation. Behold, it was very good. Everything that God created is good. So James wants them to remember that God can't tempt you to sin because God is the source of good. God is not the source of evil. It mentions James mentions the lack of variance with God, which means there is neither uh, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What he means there is God is good, He is always good, and He will always good, do good. There is not even the beginning of anything less than perfectly good coming from God. Again, good is the essence of the being of God. And really to question the goodness of God is to question His very being. We want to remember that evil comes from the world. Adam and Eve, like we already said, they wanted to know good and evil. And they found out quickly what evil is. It was not until they were tempted, though, that they found out what evil is. Lastly, remember when faith in trials, God brought us to himself. So they can't, God can't tempt you to sin because what does sin do? Does sin bring you to God or push you away from God? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what happened to them? They were moved away from the presence of God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, I think it says that your iniquities have separated between you and God. And so we know that these temptations to sin and evil don't come from God because God is in the business of bringing us to himself. The temptations to evil are going to push us away from God. Verse 18 says, Of his own will begetting us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So understand this, God's desire is to bring you to him, not push you away. So he is not going to tempt you to sin. Remember, it is God who has brought us to himself. And why did he bring us to himself? So that we could produce good fruit. We would be a kind of the first fruits of his creatures, it says. We would be able to display the goodness of God to the world. That's why he created us in the first place. We were created to be a reflection of his glory. This is what the Imago Dei is. We were created in the image of God to display his attributes to the world. What we're going to talk about in um, our catechism class, the first question is, who made me? God made me. 
And we're going to talk about being created in the image of God and what that means. So we're going to dig into those questions a little bit deeper, not just go through the questions. We're going to dig into them. And that would be good. Do you, how much do you guys know about being created in the image of God? That's what we're going to talk about Sunday night. So we're created in the image of God to display his attributes. And so James reminds those who received this letter of their opportunity to do that. When they face temptations, they will display the glory of God. The temptation might be the one that displays how God purifies his people. So it might be that temptation. And in that temptation that God is allowing you to come into your life, you might be purified, but that's the way you're going to bring glory to God or or. God, uh, it might show how his people overcome temptation. You know, you're tempted to sin. It didn't come from God, but God's going to use that. And as you overcome that temptation, you're going to bring glory to God because the power of God works in you to overcome that temptation. So you're going to bring glory to him. Either way, the opportunity to show the goodness of God to others is what he's saying here. So we know that they did not originate with God. These temptations of sin did not originate with God because God draws us to himself and he doesn't push us away. He allows these things to come into our lives so that we can show others his glory. Do you realize today the opportunity that you have to do the same? As you're walking through life, you have the opportunity to show others the glory of God and be a reflection of his glorious attributes. That's, what we're, that's why we were created and that's how God is using us. So let's learn that lesson and is God the one that brings those temptations to us? No, God cannot tempt us to sin. So today, let's be thankful for that. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And I pray, God, that you will bless your people as we learn your word. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.